this is Jenny Bell from Clarington, Ohio, and I'm listening to Barbecue Central. Do it live. Okay. Well, do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and oh. should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. And welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evenings live fire fun and frivolity show. If you want to jump in this evening, here's how you do that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQ Central Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you can get the newsletter. Coming up in about 13 minutes from now, the creator of the most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website ever on the face of the earth. And a second Tuesday of the month leadoff guest. I can only be talking about one person and one person alone. Meathead from AmazingRibs.com will be joining us. And we have plenty of things to talk about here this evening. Not the least of which is a... All right. Now, hold on one second. I'm hearing from sources that my sound card is not working. All right. So we got that going. I don't know if this is going to allow me to do that. Let's go to audio mixer. Let's go to air out. Let's go to Behringer, apply changes, hit okay, hit okay. I don't know if that worked, guys. If not, if not, get the podcast. Those on Facebook saying no sound. Those on Twitch saying no sound. I don't know. I'm definitely not on mute. I can hear me. I'm hearing everything. So I'm just going to roll with it and go from there. I assume, Meathead, I assume you can hear me. If you can hear me, wave your hand so I can see you in the switch box. But I would assume that uh, he can hear me because uh, he's connected in here this evening. And nothing on Facebook either. Of course, why would it work after we've had the computer at the shop for the last two or three days? Uh, got it back uh, before the weekend, so everything was plugged in and uh, taken in. So we'll see how everything goes with Meathead here. But I guess this could be audio is good on Clubhouse. hey oh, the only time Clubhouse has worked. Anyway, let's get back on track. Meathead joins us 14 past after Meathead. The other second Tuesday of the month regular guest in the second hour, Robert Moss, will join us. And then we will move to the second hour where we will have a former sponsor of the Barbecue Central show, but the current owner of Pits and Spits talking about hybrid cookers. Ryan Zabril will join me. And then closing out the show, a local to me and anybody else here regionally in the Cleveland area competition pitmaster and a person who is in the business of barbecue if you love great sauces and great rubs this is a guy you want to check out if you haven't seen his products locally at the a store over in willowick and i believe there's some other local retailers here or you can just go to the website go big or go bbq.com 
We will welcome first timer to the show, Aaron Huntelman. Now, you might be asking yourself, if he's local to you, shouldn't he be sitting in studio? In theory, yes. In real life, nope. Now, why, you might ask, am I afraid of catching disease or COVID for the first time or anything? No, 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 no. The bottom line is, after this past season's American Idol Barbecue Central Show edition, I realized that there could be an issue with my mixer, and I just haven't gotten a new one yet because my channel sounds fine and the sound that I'm bringing in from other folks is fine. So the urgency for in-studio guests. There's just not a lot of people that come in-studio. So I haven't been on my horse to get a new one. Otherwise, if I did, and I knew he was going to sound great, I would have Aaron in-studio here, maybe even gutting through the whole hour and a half before he even comes on. He could sit through a Meathead segment, a Robert Moss segment, a Ryan Zabril segment before we get to him. That's fine. However... I gave him an extra microphone that I have, so he'll be doing it from his house, but he'll actually sound better at his house than he would here in the studio, and that's not something I would normally be able to say. So that's how the show is laying out here currently. I'm still getting a ton of feedback here saying that there's no audio on the show. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to stop the stream right now. Boom. Just in time. That way I don't have to take the beating from Meathead that I knew I was going to have to take. It was my side it was causing audio that was not going to be proper. In fact, no audio, which is even worse than bad audio. All right, well, we're ready. I didn't get to anything that I wanted to get to when the show opened. That's a shame. I had some great stuff to talk about, but we'll see how the second... Hour goes here at the top. Before we get to Meathead, I will talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies, getting you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything that is sold at Big Papa Smokers has been Pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself from the award-winning rubs and sauces, the American-made grills and smokers, of course, we know that there are 13 perfectly balanced flavors for you to choose from when it comes to the rubs and seasonings. Popular flavors like Sweet Money, Hot Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners on the competition circuit and in the backyard. They also own Granny's Barbecue Sauce. So if you're looking for a new go-to sauce or you're tired of what's currently out there, give Granny's a try. And aside from the rub and sauce, you know they are selling the very best charcoal pellet and wood cookers available on the market today. Maybe you're in line for a easy to use and versatile smoker. How about that Mac two-star general pellet cooker? Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages if you're not a fan of pellet smokers or you don't know what grill you might want, call them and ask questions. They will counsel you. Make sure that you are looking in the right direction and to make sure they tell you all about the one that you're going to get before you buy. 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or you can shop their website at bigpapasmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A smokers.com. We are back with Meathead. Right after this, stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase or to see what other products they have. That might add a little smokiness to the meats and proteins that you are cooking or smoking or smoke roasting, whatever. Hey, my first guest... 
tonight has created the most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website on earth. He is a best-selling author, a barbecue Hall of Famer, a Barbecue Central Show guest Hall of Famer, which we just ushered in a new class a couple weeks ago with the embedded correspondence at the end of September. We race to the hotline and welcome back friend of the show, Beta. Hey, Beta. Can you tell that I'm smirking? Sure. Why are you smirking? Why why doth thou smirk? Well, I seem to recall last month. Yes. The audio quality on my end it was trash. Was poor. Trash. Yeah. But at least we had audio. And you gave me unmitigated grief on air and then you ran the bus over me multiple times in social media and elsewhere. Now I'm here. I, I don't think I did that. Eight. You're embellishing. Oh yes, you did. Oh, oh yes, you did. And you also trashed me on air. That's okay. That's okay. I, uh, can you can you provide it. the audio of me trashing you on air? I don't recall doing I that. I didn't have my audio set up properly uh, last uh-huh. month. All right. So I deserve Fake the grief, news. and you deserve some grief tonight. Good to see you again, though. And you. And by the way. While our, our, I'll say our, guardians are locked in a stranglehold fight against the New York Yankees, knotted at 1-1 currently, I'm trying to figure out which one of us football fans is going to have a worst season. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the Bears. Uh, yeah. You're, he's, he's in Cleveland, I'm in Chicago, so we're, we're, and we're both football fans. It's dismal this year. But it's dismal every year for you, and it's been pretty dismal every year for me, too. So, yeah. what the hell? I don't know. I thought there was a glimmer of hope early that we might be a little bit better than average, but we are snatching defeat from the jaws of victory in ways that I never thought were possible. And on top of that, and this isn't a sports show, we have the best running back in the league, and it pains yeah. me to see this guy get plus 100 yards without batting an eyelash. Mm-hmm. And it's just wasting away. He could be on yeah. some better team making his way into the playoffs this year, this but it won't be this year. Cle- this is the story of Cleveland football since the cardiac kids. Yes, of course. Um, but, you know, um, uh, when, 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 you're, when, you're, um, uh, when, you're, when your rapist comes back at quarterback later oh. in the season. Meathead, raping <laughs> is illegal, and he was not charged with any crimes. When our potentially allegedly reportedly sexually inappropriate quarterback comes back yeah. with potentially worse issues than that that he may or may not be getting treated for then oh, he had to be innocent but he did pay them all that money in, in in settlement just because he's generous but at 11 games what do you have left you have six games of the season he's gonna have to round into some kind of shape I, I this season's gone, man. I mean, it's just gone. Yeah, so. and, and my half hour is gone. That's right. While you're dicking around with your audio, and now we're talking oh, football. No, I, I mean we're talking football, but my audio didn't cut into your time. So we're doing barbecue science with Meathead that we've been doing for the last number of months. <laughs> and here, here's one of the things that I've heard all the time. Now this even from when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. When cooking poultry specifically, when the juices run clear, it's safe to eat. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Well, this is in every cookbook on your bookshelf, and it is an old uh, shibboleth that's been with us um, uh, for centuries because we didn't have digital thermometers. Um, you know, it still frustrates the heck out of me that I pick up books, cookbooks, magazines, newspapers, and they, they, they tell you to cook the chicken till the juices run clear or, uh, you know, uh, you poke the meat with your finger and stuff. But crying out loud, folks, a $30 digital thermometer, that's what the Thermopop costs. And there's other models that I've seen down around 20 that work almost as well, if not as well. For 20 bucks, you can get an instant read thermometer that'll tell you exactly when chicken is safe. And that's an issue. Poultry, we got a problem with poultry in this country, and USDA needs to get down on it. Um, The process of uh, uh, slaughtering and preparing poultry for market 
um, it leaves a lot to be desired. It's built on speed. And uh, there's um, uh, numerous steps along the way in the HACCP plan that are flawed that allow the chicken to easily be contaminated. Um, chicken is often contaminated in the hen house. Um, but if you've got two or three birds that are contaminated and the rest are okay, and then you dunk them all in hot water to um, uh, remove the feathers, that's salmonella or campylobacter. Those are the two bacteria that are common in poultry. They get everywhere. Um, and, you know, Consumer Reports back in 2014 did a research project where they, they bought 300 chicken breasts and tested them, and 90% had pathogenic bacteria. Wow. And of that 90%, half of them had antibiotic-resistant pathogens. Huh. So this is spooky. Um, and the only way to tell when chicken is done is with a thermometer. The problem is, and I run into this right here in this household, I married a PhD microbiologist who is a food safety expert for the FDA. And she understands food safety as well as anybody. She was like high ranking. And I'll test chicken and bring it in at 165, 170, 170, perfect. You know, I cook it to 160. The USDA says 165, but there's carryover. And there's a whole lot of little details in there about whether you want 7D or 6D kill rate and yada, yada, yada. In any case, you can cook it till it's perfectly safe and bring it in and there's still pink juices. And in fact, if you look down at where the joints are between mm. the drumstick and the thigh and the thigh and the body, it's often um, red meat down in there. And uh, she won't eat, eat I Look at, I got this $100 thermometer and I tested it and it's safe, I know it. Nope, it's going in the microwave. Just because um, of the, the aesthetics. The, well, we, we are just mentally um, trained not to eat pink chicken. Now, many of us are willing to eat slightly pink pork. Um, and we were trained th against that too. But I think a lot of us have overcome that, but we have not overcome our fear of pink chicken or, and here comes Thanksgiving right around the corner, mm. pink turkey. Um, the problem is, is, is there are several problems. Number one, um, that pinkness is usually myoglobin. Myoglobin is a protein that is pink and it's used to transfer oxygen in the blood. Um, and um, the uh, myoglobin, when it cooks, it turns brown or tan. Um, so if you cook it enough, it will turn brown and tan. So my wife will bring it over to the microwave, stick it in the microwave, and it clears up. But it's been safe because of the thermometer. The reason it's still pinkish, there are several reasons. Number one, a chicken, for example, goes from egg to the slaughterhouse in six and a half to seven weeks. Think about that. Wow. This is, this is under two months. Less than two months, it goes from zero to three and a half, four pounds. That's your standard uh, roaster or fryer, they call them, um, three and a half to four pounds. I mean, if, if we grew babies, humans at that rate, uh, they'd be over 300 pounds at two years old, you know? I mean, it's ridiculous. And they'd be delicious but this is to what... eat. <laughs> uh, I'm not going there. Um, but, um, you know, uh, what happens is, is as they grow, the bones build calcium around the, um, the exterior. And if you recall, the interior of the bones is where blood is manufactured. So if the bones have not calcified properly and they aren't calcifying properly in that under two month period, um, and if you notice a lot of those bones are still translucent, then um, a little bit of the marrow will seep out and stain the meat. Um, but most of the problem is, is in the pink juices, that's the myoglobin. Um, and, and, and there are other factors at play the pH of the meat or the acidity of the meat um, can affect whether the juices um, or, the, or the flesh are pink. 
Um, and the pH of the meat can also be uh, affected by the strain and stress the animal is pressed is put under. So if it's raised in a really stressful environment, you can get more uh, pink meat. It's a problem for um, restaurants in particular because they know customers won't eat um, chicken if the meat is pink or juicy or, 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 or pink juice or, or pink meat. Um, but they, they, they don't want to overcook it. Uh, and uh, uh, so it, it's, it's endemic to the, um, the poultry world right now. And um, you're going to face it if you cook your turkey to the proper temperature. I recommend 160, which is um, perfectly safe. It, and, and it'll carry over to the USDA recommended 165. Um, and uh, uh, you may see, uh, particularly down in between those joints, some pink juices or pink meat. And there could be a rebellion at the table and people could give you a hard time. Um, when you're carving that bird, if you get down and you see the pink stuff down in there, you've got to now make a, a judgment about your crowd. If you think they're food savvy and, and you can explain, I use my digital thermometer, it's safe, don't worry about it, Meathead explained why, <laughs> um, then go for it. Otherwise, in the microwave. I don't want to get too far into the weeds here as far as doneness temperatures because you talk about what the FDA recommends at 165. You cook to 160 a lot for a carryover, which probably pushes it pretty close to that 165, if not a little bit over. And that's what Beyond. you would call like the immediate kill zone once you get into that or instantaneous kill zone once you get to those temperatures. Mm -hmm. But you can get to 160 or 155 or 158, and if you have an ability to hold the meat at that temperature for a certain amount of time, and the FDA has a whole bunch of different guidelines where if you're going to shoot for a lower internal temperature, how much longer you have to hold on to it at that temperature in order for the same uh, nasties to get killed are. But I think from a texture standpoint and a juiciness standpoint, figuring out those times and playing around with them actually yield a much better product when you're a little bit under because uh, you're not really getting to that. Uh, to me, the FDA temperature, while safe, could also lead to a quick uh, missed window, if you will, and flirting with a little mm -hmm. bit lower temperature as long as you're able to hold yields a better product. Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, you, I, I've experimented with it. And when you start getting down to 150, I mean, you know, using sous vide, all right, let's get a little bit into the weeds. And that is the killing of the bacteria is not just a matter of temperature. It's a matter of time and temperature. That is to say, you can make um, chicken perfectly safe at 135 degrees, but it takes two hours to get there. At 165, it takes less than seven seconds. So it's a, a continuum and it's a chart. And I've got this chart in my next book um, to make it safe at that temperature. And that's what the sous vide people know. I've cooked it at as low as 155 and I don't like the texture there. It's a yep. little bit slippery yep. and slimy. To me, 155 to 160, 160, and, and I'll take it off at 160, it'll go up to 165, or I'll take it off at 155 and it'll go up to 160. That's my target. And here's, here's the other factor that nobody writes about, is the kill rate. The USDA has decided that a kill rate of um, one cell in 10 to the seventh power, or one cell in 10 million, that is, if there's 10 million cells, one living bacteria is okay. That's that's acceptable because one cell is not going to kill you. So they call that pasteurized. You're never going to sterilize meat. It pasteurizing is close enough, and um, and 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 7D is what USDA has decided is safe. But um, in in England, the EU um, uh, has decided. 6D is safe. That means one cell in 1 million. So your odds are um, pretty good, even at 6D. At 6D, you can pull the steaks off or your rather your, um, your chicken off at 155 or so, no problem. So it's just that USDA has settled on this kill rate that's very high. 
Um, and, and it makes it, you know, darn safe. But if you're willing to accept a slightly lower kill rate, one cell in a million cells, and again, very unlikely one cell is going to kill you, then um, you can drop that temperature significantly. I think it was a month ago, Meathead, I was on one of the social media platforms. I think it was TikTok, and I saw something that I never thought I would see between medicine and chicken, specifically oh, specifically NyQuil, and they were calling it sleepy chicken or NyQuil chicken, and people were cooking chicken in NyQuil. FDA actually had to come out and make a statement about it. And then yeah. that reminded me of conversations we've had in the past for folks that, and some cultures teach this, uh, washing chicken. Uh, and I'm not talking about just rinsing it under the sink, which we've talked about in the past, where that's just splattering a bunch of nastiness all the way around your sink and your uh, your cabinet tops and what have you. But also like uh, some kind of a bleach solution or other chemicals that they're rubbing the chicken down with in order to make it clean and save chicken. Which is, these are things we don't want to do, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, look, one thing my wife taught me is uh, bleach is your friend. Clorox is your friend. Um, Clorox is the single best way to sterilize or to, to kill bacteria. Um, and, uh, um, you know, one tablespoon or a cap full of Clorox in a half a gallon of water and wipe down your counters and they're good. Um, your cutting board, it's good. Um, uh, it, you know, it, it, it really does a good job. You don't want to put Clorox on your meat. I mean, it's just not not safe. It's not healthy, and it doesn't taste good. I, you know, I, we we both know this. You and I have been denizens of the internet since the early days of the internet. I mean, nowadays everybody's on the internet. I remember years ago riding a commuter train, and I heard somebody talking about email, and I, you know, I'd been on the internet for a year or two already at that time, and. Uh, uh, this was the first time I'd ever heard an other person talk about this internet thing. They were doing email. It was like, oh, there's other people out there. I mean, now everybody's on the internet, and the internet is full of crap. Uh, there's a lot. You know, this was a conversation I just had with somebody the other day. When you go searching for recipes, um, use use care. Um, get recipes from people who are polished, professional who test their recipes, who are experienced at writing recipes, who understand food and food science. Um, there are just an awful lot of websites where they're bloggers and they're, they're posting recipes that came from grandma's three by five cards. And I have encountered them and a lot of them are just flat out unsafe. Or And I hear from people all the time. I got this great recipe from um, a recipe sharing site, and boy, it was terrible, and I wasted 20 bucks on ingredients. Um, you go to the, the quality websites, Serious Eats, Chef Steps, um, uh, Food 52, our site, um, uh, and, and there's a number of barbecue people who are doing great stuff out there, and get your recipes from quality sources. Meathead from Amazing Ribs joining us here on the show. We got about thirty seconds here, Meathead. How's that book coming along? I'm I'm flat out on it. Um, uh, my team, led by the um, wonderful Clint Cantwell, uh, who is now our general manager and uh, heir apparent, um, are doing a tremendous job of running AmazingRibs.com. While I am flat out focused on the book. And my deadline is March 1st, and I think I'm going to make it. Um, and uh, the photography is the best I have ever done, and I think it's some of the best food photography I've ever seen. If it's due in March, when would it potentially hit shelves? Later that year or like it a year from It takes a whole year. Yeah, the whole process. And if you want to talk later about – because I know some of your audience has toyed with the idea of you know cookbooks and stuff. I can go through the process – of what it's how to how to get a cookbook published and what right. what the whole process is like, um, uh, having done it before. Um, but uh, basically, from the time you turn in the manuscript to the time it comes out is all is pretty much a year because it's got to go through 
first the editor. The editor is going to read it and make sure that the uh, it's not redundant, that there aren't big holes in the concepts and the text, yada, yada, yada. Then it goes to copy editing, where they check all grammar and spelling and capitalization. And then it has to go to layout and design and photography uh, fitting and cover design and marketing and the whole, sh it's just, a, a, it takes a whole year. Wow. All right. Well, I think that would be a good segment. We can give people a behind the scenes look at how it all comes together from start to finish. So we'll look forward to doing that here in the upcoming months and uh, go from there. In the meantime, go to amazingribs.com and check out what Meathead is doing over there. If you don't mind paying a few bucks, you can join the Pitmasters Club as well and engage with other like-minded individuals. And if you don't want to do any of that, you just love this show, then make sure you're tuned in to the second Tuesday of every month where you can see Meathead right here talking about live fire stuff. Meathead, always appreciate the time, and we'll see you in November. Always great to talk to you when the audio is working. And we are working. <laughs> Thank goodness. That's Meathead from AmazingRibs.com right there. And we have Robert Moss locked and loaded and ready to go. What did we tease last month? List. Specifically, the Southern Living Top 50 barbecue list. Well, guess what? It's released. We're going to talk all about it. We're going to pick it apart, dissect it, and this is Robert Moss's baby. He's the one that did all of it. The editor's choice, if you will, not people's choice. Editor's choice. You know what's still in business? Currently, Green Mountain Grills, believe it or not. Still. And I'm feeling more and more positive every day that something, some way, they are going to remain in business as time has just dragged on and on with all of this stuff. In the meantime, if you're looking for not the most elite pellet cooker, but a little bit more than entry level, something that you can afford, something that's going to run for years, somebody that's going to provide consistent results each and every time, you use it, then the Green Mountain Grill is the one you're going to want to check out. you got two different choices as far as lines. You have a choice line and a prime line. Prime line gives you everything you want in a cooker right now, everything that everybody else has. They're the ones that pretty much started it. Internal meat probes, yes. You want lights on the inside of the cooking chamber. They got those. You can also have a Wi-Fi connectivity. You download the Green Mountain Grills app and you can raise, lower the temperature of the cooker. You can turn it on and off. You can set custom cook cycles and recipes. Everything you want. That's the prime line. You want to save some money? Choice line. You don't get any of that stuff except you get a really great cooker. I have a couple of those in my backyard right now and I've had them for 10 plus years and they still work. That Yours might look a little different because it's newer, but still going to operate the same. Really great only sold through dealers, so find one near you at GreenMountainGrills.com. Visit the dealer, get educated, and then pick the one that best fits your needs. And pick up that pizza oven insert. I was just up at Barbecue Jeweler to the star Stephen DeFranco earlier today. He's got a Green Mountain Grill. I said, did you get the pizza oven insert? He said, no. I said, what are you waiting for, Steve? Let's go. So he's on a mission. You should be on a mission as well. GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. We're back with Robert Moss right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And we thank Meathead for joining us the last segment, AmazingRibs.com's website, of course. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're locked. Fireboard fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting Fireboard.com or call 816 Nine four five two two three two. That's eight one six nine four five two two three two. The great folks at Fireboard continuing to sponsor this show. All right, joining me next is the contributing barbecue editor to Southern Living Magazine, an accomplished author. He's also a restaurant critic in his spare time. We race to the hotline and welcome back, friend of the show, Robert Moss. Hey, Robert. 
Hey, Greg, how's it going? I am absolutely spectacular. Appreciate you joining me as you do yeah. each and every month. Uh, right off the bat, last month I teased you about it and then waited that Saturday rolling along for a cue sheet. But guess what? No cue sheet. No. What's going on? No. Uh, no good excuse other than I'm busy and and, and uh, actually... Shouldn't you be hiring an intern at this point to take it over? I, I need to at this point, yeah, to run a free newsletter. Um, <laughs> we'll make it up on volume. Um, the yeah, I was looking. I mean, I keep trying to get back into it. I've been going to the news, and I, I keep looking at the barbecue news. You know, going to Google and stuff, and just hasn't been a lot going on. I just sort of can't get myself into it. And of course, the top fifty list came out, and so I'd, I would have some things to say there. Then some news popped up just today that we're going to talk about in a bit. And so maybe I need to do a little coup sheet to, to dive into to the latest uh, hot sauce debacle that we'll we'll get to. But uh, up until then, there just hasn't been a lot going on yet. So I'm trying to get inspired, and hopefully we'll get that back uh, underway here in October. All right. So we'll look forward to that and, and hope that happens. As you had mentioned, uh, last month we were talking and teasing that the Southern Living's Top 50 Barbecue list was going to be happening within a couple of weeks at that point, but it has since been released. I believe it was uh, September 22nd or 26th. Yeah, right, toward the end of, end of September, yep. Yep, so we have 50 barbecue restaurants that have made the list. So once again, for folks that just might be tuning in for the first time or didn't catch the whole segment uh, last go-around last month, how does the list come together? And if I'm not mistaken, you are the one that is making this list. Yep. For this list, it's, it's all me. We, we have a, a South's best list in the spring, which is the reader's poll, but this was the editor's picks. And unlike, uh, you know, Daniel Vaughn at Texas Monthly, they do a great job. He has a bit of a team that goes out and and, and, and canvases and surveys. Uh, I do it all, my, all myself, which is both good and bad. It's good because I get to eat everything uh, and get to travel around the entire South. It is a lot of work, though, so uh, so it, it makes it tough. And I have a lot of, a lot of territory to cover. But uh, you know, effectively try to visit every restaurant on the list. Uh, I've been to every single one on the list two times, at least many of them many times. The only exceptions are a couple of the new ones that I've only been to once that just opened up in the last last year or two. So unlike uh, a lot of lists that are sort of compiled from a from a via Google from somebody's desk chair, I've actually been out and, and eaten them all. But again, it's my list, so it's very high personalized, idiosyncratic, and sort of reflects you know my own preferences. Though I do. Um, definitely try to spread it around geographically and spread it around stylistically. So the idea being that, you know, uh, if you sample all 50 of, of the barbecue restaurants, you're going to get a pretty good sampling of the various different barbecue styles, the old restaurants, the new restaurants, uh, you know, everything that's going on in, in the entire South and barbecue today. Uh, never perfect. Everybody will quibble with it. Um, but um, it, it, it definitely a lot of, of, of uh, hard work, a lot of eating and a lot, a lot of love goes into it. I guess what I like the most about anybody that's willing to put out a list like this is it wasn't solicited fan favorite stuff. Like you had mentioned in the write up to this, I think you have like a, a guests or a, a, a public's choice list. Yeah. And then it's a big readers poll. It's actually tens of thousands of readers respond. So that's a, that's a, a widespread public opinion type, type poll of Southern, Southern living readers. But to me, that's, uh, that's like all the other lists I hate. You're saying, okay, uh, yeah. let's hear what your favorite is. Or when people put out, you know, uh, okay, who's who's the best? And they're listing four or five people. And maybe one or two of those four or five have incredible social media following. So they reach out and they're just basically soliciting votes. Whoever can get the most votes wins. And I don't like yeah. that. I like ones where, just like you are, you're going out on a line. And you're saying, this is what I think. And now you're willing to take any blowback that might be coming from, oh, no way, this is number one or this is number 10. It should be this and that. But your name is on it. It's not a solicitation for popularity. Yeah, indeed. And, and I, I spent a lot of time this year on the write-ups for the you know, each restaurant, which actually takes a, an awful long time. I always think, oh, I'll knock it out in a week or two. It takes, it takes a long time to do uh, 50 blurbs. Uh, of a you know paragraph each because I really tried to not just say something like tender fall off the bone ribs or some kind of cliche, but really describe why this restaurant made the cut above so many others. And it's really hard to make that top fifty. Um, there's so many restaurants on the bubble that are great, excellent restaurants, and you got to sort of compare one to another and say, okay, why does this one edge out the other one? 
And so I tried to explain that, you know, and, and say, you know, in my mind at least, why does this one particular restaurant, uh, is, is just, why is it just a little bit better of the others that may be in the same region cooking with the same style, et, et cetera. So um, definitely try to make it a thoughtful <laughs> explanation, not just a list where we say, oh my God, there's ribs, it's it's pork, it's delicious. You know, try 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 to put some some uh, some more detail into it compared to the most recent list besides this one. Yeah, what restaurants are new this time around? Are there are there a lot yeah, of so new ones, and then there are a lot of uh, standbys, if you will. Uh, a, a little bit of both. Um, there 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 has been there was a lot of movement on on this year's list. Now no, we had been doing it year uh, each year for a while. The last one we did those in 2019, so we sh- you know shut it down for 2020 and 2021 was wasn't really. I hadn't been able to go out and travel en- enough, so so it's actually been a three year hiatus. Surprisingly enough, of all the restaurants on the 2019 list, only one that was on that list is no longer in business. Um, which you would think with the pandemic that, uh, that there'd be a lot more. And that one is actually Bees Crackling Barbecue in Atlanta. And it's out of business because yep. it burned to the right. crowd. Right. Um, there wasn't, there wasn't pandemic. And the, the bright lining is that Brian Furman, the owner has a new restaurant in the works in Atlanta. So he'll be, he'll be coming back, back, back up. Um, there are a surprising number of new restaurants on the list, though ones that opened since the pandemic, um, and you can really you know you take a look. I think the highest, yeah, the, definitely the highest ranking one uh, that that is new is Goldie's in <laughs> Fort Worth, which uh, also made it I think number one spot on uh, the Texas Month list as well. I yep. uh, totally agree with Daniel with with his pick there. Um, and why does it? There's so many other great uh, new newer. Texas craft barbecue places in, that are on the list. So quite a number made them. But Goldie's is just every single thing they do, you know, uh, every single thing on the plate, even the pickles and the bread is just fantastic. They make, they have white bread, sliced white bread, like a lot of barbecue joints, but they bake their own bread you know, at their, at the restaurant. And you really just can't beat that. So um, that one, that one's pretty high on the list. As you review the list, does it also tell the story of a ever changing barbecue landscape? Yeah, for sure. And I think um, pe- different people's lists will be a little bit different, uh, you know, diff- different uh, criteria that goes into it. And I always say I'm not doing a barbecue competition. I'm not just I'm not trying to blindly taste barbecue and styrofoam boxes side by side. That's a different different endeavor. It's really more about the um, experience of the overall place. It's the reason it's called the top 50 barbecue joints, because it's really about the restaurants themselves. And so it's, it really comes down to the, the huge experience. Your know, craft barbecue is obviously the, the, the you know, it's just keeps getting bigger and bigger each year. Um, very much Texas inspired or, or Texas style, though increasing that same kind of craft aesthetic is, is flowing out of it. But there's so many craft barbecue joints now, and if everybody is cooking really top-notch brisket, uh, top-notch briskets, you know, top-notch, not, touch, uh, top-notch ribs, you know, great chicken. So you got to do something a little bit different. Everybody's sausage is, is really good. And so the ones I think that bubbled up to the top are, from the craft category at least, are the ones that are doing something a little bit different. A lot of them are pit masters who are sort of taking, you know, contemporary, particularly Texas style, but... Uh, uh, American style craft barbecue, but then bringing in some flavors or some inspirations often from their own family backgrounds. Um, you know, I think we, we have on there uh, pretty high on the list is uh, 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 actually 250 barbecue, which is a Texas style barbecue joint right outside of DC in Riverdale, Maryland. Um, and it's great brisket. It's really good Texas style barbecue, but what really makes it great is that um, the, the owners are from El Salvador originally, and they bring a lot of the, those flavors to the side dishes and everything else. And so it's top notch barbecue, but the beans are not like the beans you'll get just anywhere else. And mm-hmm. so something new and a, 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 some new flavors there. A similar for a, a restaurant here in, in, in Charleston called Palmyra Barbecue, which just opened up less than a year ago. Uh, the chef there is of Puerto Rican background, and he brings a lot of great Puerto Rican dishes and sort of combines them with with, uh, with the barbecue. So the brisket or, or the pork, you know, it's, it's just as good as anybody else's. But then there's something a little more that that adds on top of that that you just can't get going to whatever you know great craft barbecue joint maybe maybe around the corner. If you haven't seen the list, spoil alert! Turn it off right now and look for yourself. Top two: <laughs> Snow's Barbecue Number Two and Scott's Barbecue in Hemingway. Number one, no shock that a South Carolina joint makes number one in the Southern Living barbecue list. Yep. Uh, I saw Scott's barbecue back a little bit. Um, 
You know, honestly, I've heard mixed reviews about uh, Scott's Barbecue, but the the uh, not Scott's Barbecue, um, Rodney Scott's. Rodney Scott's, yes, yes, um, in particular. You know, uh, average, average. You know, hearing a lot of average there, but uh, Scott's Barbecue is still bringing it. In your opinion? Uh, yeah, absolutely, and it's not too far from here. So fortunately, I can I can zip up there. It takes a little over an hour to get to get up to to Hemingway. Um, I think Rodney uh, Scott's, who is his. It, Scott's Barbecue in Hemingway was his dad's and, and, and mom, his mom's uh, restaurant. He sort of took over cooking there for a long while before branching out on his own, opened his own restaurant in Charleston. But he since has two restaurants now, almost three now, in, in Birmingham, one in Atlanta, one coming in, in Nashville. Um, I think one one factor is you, you just can't cook in downtown Charleston or downtown Birmingham quite the same way that you can cook you know, up out you know, in a little country store outside of, of Hemingway. Um, but every time I drive up there, it, it's just it's the flavor of the barbecue is unlike anything I've ever had anywhere else. I think it's you can taste the wood in it, you can taste the the technique in in it in a, in a way that just I, I just not had. Uh, I, I still love Rodney Scott's own restaurants. I just think they're a little bit larger scale. That the barbecue is just not quite the same because uh, he doesn't have a gigantic burn barrel in a lot where he's burning wood down the coals and shoveling into uh, these cinder block pits. He has to modify it a little bit in, in the city setting, but he has some really great things like this, uh, his uh, steak sandwich there, uh, which is just a, a really great take. Uh, it's a pit cooked steak sandwich sliced with a bunch of cheese and things. So that there's a lot to, to recommend it as well. Robert Moss joining us here on the show, robertfmoss.com, his website, and of course, contributing barbecue editor to Southern Living Magazine. So that ties up the top 50 uh, list conversation for now, but make sure that you go out, check it out, and then give Robert all your feedback, good, bad, and ugly as it relates to the list as you see fit. In the news, Robert, I don't know if you saw this or not, but there's a man who was sued Texas Pete, which I only know as a brand of hot sauce. I never thought anything about it other than that. But he's suing them, saying the brand is misleading. He thought it was made in Texas, especially given the white Lone Star and the lassoing cowboy on the bottle, and he never would have bought it if otherwise he had known it wasn't a Texas product to begin with. He's filed a class action lawsuit requesting damages and perhaps even more either pathetically or outrageously the name to be changed. Likelihood that either of those happen? uh icebergs chance in hell i mean i'm not a lawyer but you know it's uh <laughs> I, would, I would i would take uh good money that 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 will never make it to trial we call this frivolous lawsuit uh <laughs> it, it definitely seems uh frivolous uh I, I heard about this from you so you you had sort of sent me the links have you heard about this and quickly googled it and of course it's all over uh every internet news site you can find just in the past 24 hours no one's actually bothered that i could see any of the stories i read to actually interview a lawyer i didn't have time i only had like a couple hours before the show so uh i need to call up a, a good uh, intellectual property lawyer and sort of see what they what they say about that but i can't imagine this is going to go very far um you know i, I dug into it uh, and read the filing that, that it was linked to so you can see that but now it seems i, I would almost say that it, it seems like a I mean, usually you, you think they're going to try just trying to get a settlement out of a big company, but I almost wonder if this guy's trying to get some kind of publicity or something out of it because it, it doesn't seem like a, a, a serious lawsuit to me. I was trying Again, to find this not, guy's not legal name. opinion. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I was trying to find this guy's name because I remember a uh, handful of years ago when chicken sandwiches were really big and this guy named Craig yeah. Barr decided to sue Popeyes because he had cracked his rims and popped some tires and some really <laughs> bad Popeyes chickens. Uh, parking or uh, uh, in their uh, parking lots, and he he was. I ended up having him on the show. I mean, this guy was an incredible <laughs> interview, to say the least. But it was it was a, quite a bizarre story. So I was looking for this guy's name. I wasn't able to to see a name in it specifically, but I had no idea that Texas Pete had jockeyed its way up to three billion dollars in sales. I mean, this is quite a established company. No wonder he wants to try and get a piece of it. Yeah, very, very long running company. If you're, if you're like me from the Carolinas, you're like, well, of course, Texas Pete isn't from Texas. Everybody knows it's from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. At least uh, I, I thought everyone did, but I guess. You well, know, that's why I wanted not, to bring it up with you because you're the Carolinian yeah, right. here. And uh, <laughs> I would assume some people think Texas Pete and they might think Texas, but they could care less where it actually is. 
Yeah, yeah, no one, no one really cares. In fact, if you if you uh, go out and, and Google, remember Old El Paso, the uh, the taco kits yeah. and the salsa, you know, General Mills. That's in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You know, um, so I, I I don't know legally they have much of a leg to stand on. I, I did, you know, in, in terms of the actual law. Um, one thing I, I, I we'll take a quick thing on, on the consumers on the, the sort of the lawsuit side, and then, then maybe look at the history. Um, one of the things that the, the 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 suit says is that the uh, you know the effect of this because it's this giant corporation um, T W Garner out of Winston Salem, North Carolina, has a stifling impact on competition and less choice causes consumers to pay higher prices at the cash register. So that's one of the big claims because they they think they're getting a Texas sauce, but they they're not. They're getting this one that's that's jacking up prices. So the the um the the lawsuit actually cites two Texas made hot sauces. Uh, and, and compares the labels and things. One is called Truly Texas, uh, Texas Firewater, made made into actually made in Texas, um, and the other is called Tears of Joy, uh, August in in Austin. Uh, so two, they took those two. The uh, Tears of Joy, the August in Austin seems to be defunct, but what I could find was, uh, you know, it was well actually the uh, the Truly Texas is uh, three. Currently selling at three twenty five, uh, three dollars and twenty five cents for a six and and three quarters ounce bottle, and this is a, a six ounce bottle of Texas Pete that I, I have here. Uh, it's it that's forty eight cents an ounce. Um, Tears of Joy, which is defunct, but was selling for eight dollars for a five ounce wow. bottle, so just a slightly larger bottle. That's a dollar sixty an ounce. Uh, if you look at Texas Pete uh, currently selling this, the small bottle, this is not even buying in bulk. You can get that for a dollar twenty eight. Um, <laughs> Which comes out to twenty one cents an ounce, mm. and it's definitely the case because I buy Texas Pete all the time. Um, it's where my go to hot sauce. If you walk down the aisle, it's the cheapest one on the on the shelf compared to all these other, uh, you know, gourmet and artisan hot sauces. So, if, if nothing else, I think the uh, the raising prices through through eroding competition is is BS. Just just walk to your your sauce aisle, and and, and your eyes will tell you. Um, the other thing is that I am a little amazed that people don't realize that Texas Pete is is not from Texas because I thought that was a, a well known story, but not everybody's geeky into to um, to, his, to barbecue barbecue history like me. Um, it actually comes out of out of North Carolina. A, a guy named Thad Garner back in the 1940s. Uh, he and his dad had a barbecue joint uh, that didn't do so well, but they had a, a sauce that people liked, a barbecue sauce, and so they went into business and opened a sauce company. And, and then in 1946, they added a hot sauce line to it, uh, to, you know, which is the, the the hot sauce we know today. Their marketing guy originally said, oh, it's spicy. We need to come up with something. We'll call it Mexi- Mexico Joe's, uh, was the original name that was proposed <laughs> by it. So Sam Gardner, who's the dad, said, no, we're not going to name it Mexico Joe's. It's got to be an American name. We're gonna, it's got to be Texas. It's going to be Texas. And then his other son was named nicknamed Pete. So Texas Pete it was and, and has been ever since. And uh, so this thing is, what, 70, 80 years old now. So um, if it's been confusing people for 80 years, I, I guess we can we can we can live with it. But ultimately, to me, the um, the test for false advertising is ultimately would a reasonable consumer be misled by the labeling, especially when it says very clearly that T.W. Garner is in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, if you bother to look at the back. I, I don't think I don't think it does it, a reasonable com- consumer and them compute from Los Angeles might might think that but somebody's reasonable wouldn't wouldn't believe it. Yeah, I just go when I'm in the mood to shop for hot sauce, I go to the hot sauce aisle and I just start picking up bottles and reading and you know there's a lot of in common ingredients but uh, you know I'll look for certain things to kind of set them apart but I've never once and I've seen Texas but they have it up here you know quite a bit it's yeah. all over the country of course and I've never once uh, thought about where is this particular hot sauce from and have that be a pinnacle decision-making point. Uh, it's Maybe it's price. Maybe it's I want to burn my face off, so I'm looking for Scoville's. Uh, it's a number of different things, but never where the, the region is. And heaven forbid it says Texas on it, and it's actually from North Carolina, and, and now we got a lawsuit. So it'll be interesting to see where that tracks out there. Uh, i got a couple minutes <laughs> left. Yeah, go ahead. I said the other thing I'll be curious to see. Every news outlet in America had ran a story on it this this month or this week or even today because it only came out in the last twenty four hours. I'd be curious to see when they throw the, the suit out if that gets picked up or if it just disappears without trace. Yeah, I, maybe I, put a little I tickler in my email to check up, follow up on it. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Um, we got a couple seconds left here. So, as far as the Holy Smokes Barbecue Festival, uh, we talked about that fairly extensively last time, November nineteenth. <laughs> 
with the uh, proverbial shirt that you're wearing there. Tickets still available, or are we all sold out at this point? Yeah, we are, we are a month out. We the the uh, the I'm sorry, the VIP is all sold out. Those sold out pretty quickly. We have a lot of, of general admission. Uh, just got the, the new poster just just came out. Uh, you know, for uh, you know, for the for the for the festival. Very nice. Uh, November nineteenth. So just a. a, a Sorry, just just, uh, just over a month away. Um, we've had tickets sales. Interesting, it's been a little bit slower um, in pace than last year. I think that's because last year, coming out of COVID, everyone was just dying to get out and do things. Yeah. And now there's uh, there's all kinds of stuff happening here. But what we're seeing is that people are just just sort of waited. And just in the last two weeks, the sales have really started picking up. So we're getting on a good trajectory. Hoping well, we sold out last year. I think a couple weeks before the event, and we're anticipating we will again. So, if you're interested in coming, don't wait too much longer because the the sales are picking up and people are starting to buy big blocks and things as they're sort of making plans. People, I think, tend to make plans about about a month out for for these types of things. So, uh, regardless, we're already in a in a good position. So, we're going to be able to do uh, I think really do a good job for um, for hogs for the cause and for the Ronald McDonald House, who's the charities we're supporting. So, we're really looking forward to it. And uh, November is one of the best times to come visit Charleston. So. So if you're interested in coming down, come see us. All right. Uh, you can find more on Robert Moss at the website, robertfmoss.com. You find him here the second Tuesday of every month right after Meathead segment. Robert, always appreciate the time, and we'll see you in November. All right. Thanks, Greg. You got see it. See you then. Robert Moss right there. Yeah. Uh, so if you're interested, as he said, make sure that you go to Holy Smokes. CHS.com. Holy Smokes, plural. Holy Smokes, CHS.com. And grab your ticket there. November 19th. So we are one month and eight days away from that. And that will be a dynamite event. I guarantee it. We're a little over, but that's all right. Making our way through the crappy lead into the show, but luckily we're able to pick it up there for Meathead segment and Robert. A lot of people looking at Labor Day as the end of all things summer, yet some of the nicest barbecue weather is happening right now, like today, for instance. It was 75 degrees here in Bomb City, USA. Indian summer bringing a lot of warm weekends to gather, grill, watch football, and Bub and Mothers can bring the flavor you and your guests deserve. Not only is it 100% natural, but it has less salt than many of the other bottles you find on most shelves. Less salt means you can add more flavor and not worrying about oversalting your meats or side dishes. More spice, less salt also mean the rub goes a lot further, lasts longer, and is a better value. Want some new ideas? Head on over to the website, bubnmothers.com, and click on the What's Cooking link. There, you can find recipes for rubs, including making your own barbecue sauce, wings that bite back, their soon-to-be-famous redneck aioli, barbecue margaritas, just to name a few right now until they run out. Everyone who orders a four-pack of their rubs, just $24.95, can get one of their special T-shirts absolutely free. Just enter the code B, the number 4GO, B4GO, in the promo box at checkout. Tell them the shirt and the size you want in the note box. And remember, every purchase creates an added donation to veterans' charities. As a veteran-owned company, they're proud of their service and continued support of all who wear the uniform. Bub and Mother's Downey's Dinner Dust, made with real maple syrup crystals and fresh roasted ground espresso, and the honey and heat, adding honey crystals and chipotle, both flavors that only your taste buds can appreciate. Bubandmothers.com. And don't forget, when you buy the four-pack for $24.95, you can get a special T-shirt absolutely free. Be the number four. Go is your promo code. Put it in the checkout box, and away you go. We're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. We thank Robert Moss for joining us the last segment. This portion being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet currently available in three sizes with a host of accessories doesn't matter if you're just a beginner or a professional if the cooker you want to add to the arsenal visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the barbecue central show sent you so we thank 
Once again, Robert Moss for joining us last segment. If you are interested in joining that great barbecue event he has coming up on November 19th, hit the website and buy your tickets. Sounds like there's a better than handful number of general admission tickets, but the VIP stuff is all sold out. So if you missed that, too bad. Should have got on it quicker. And of course, Meathead before him talking about the safe chicken stuff when the juices run clear if there's pink next to any of the Jones or Jones bones or joints if you're just tuning in now you will get it in podcast a little bit later I'll tell you all about that here in just a minute let's go ahead and point to the second hour refresh libations and we'll be right back you're listening and watching the barbecue central show right here on the barbecue central network stick around be right back 